You'll notice, uh, and uh, maybe you won't, Kevin, maybe you have, Darren, you probably won't. I've recently spent uh, some time driving in and out of Des Moines, and they have some really nice, huge billboards off the interstate. And I have seen a um, promoting a wonderful antioxidant-filled Vizzy. And they are really starting to uh, publicize that, which two years ago, Vizzy wasn't a thing that anybody knew about. Now they're promoting it on billboards. And and I kind of have this uh, full headset that is not good for podcast recording. So if Vizzy wanted to maybe take this thing national and bump it up to the next level of excellence, Darren, they could chip in a few bucks and get us all an awesome uh, recording setup. Like maybe, maybe not a full in-house studio yet, but certainly headsets and whatever equipment that you think would help us. Here's what I'm thinking. We do a cross country tour in like a big van that's sponsored by Vizzy, And we do live recordings every single week in the city that we're in. And we just have a big party. There's barbecues, there's luau's and we just, it's nothing but Vizzy's. You know, Vizzy beer pong, Vizzy shot funnels. That sounds it's, fantastic. Just everything covered in Vizzy head to toe. Head to toe. Is that kind of like a DP show? Didn't they do something like that after the Super Bowl? That one of their guys take an RV or something like that from the Northeast over to LA? Are you confusing them with w- you can that? That's not the WHO thing? Uh, no, this is uh, Dan Patrick, who's a radio host. If you haven't heard of him. I may or may not study his work to see if I can ever learn how to do it. Yeah, someone, Mercedes or something like that, gave them a little sleeper RV thing, and they drove that and did stuff with it as they went across <laughs> the country. So we'll talk to Mercedes, too. It'll be a well, joint it, venture. Well, at least one of you wear a Vizzy racing suit. Like, just Vizzy yeah. is the only sponsor. Yes. If anyone gave any kind of free things or money, I would probably wear anything. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes for you, Darren. The, the sports gospel busy show. It sounds good. Got sports gospel presented by busy. Yeah. Presented. So I listened listen to a lot of like old timey radio shows from the 1940s and that's there. They all have these wonderful sponsors and they play a little jingle. So we got to come up with a jingle for the next time you guys are on. They had the best commercials during March Madness. Let's just let them, let's take their advertising um, people that created all that stuff uh, and let them create one for us. Their, their uh, sangria commercials were awesome. I did not watch enough commercials, apparently. <laughs> I did not recall this. Well, we'll look it I up see, on YouTube. I see at least one of us enjoying a beverage. I needed an alcohol break for the day. So too many busies in a row during March Madness. I needed one day off, but I saw one of you on it with a can of something. As I was watching a movie last night at 1130, falling asleep, I get a text message brother who's drinking Topo Chico, who's now falling down that rabbit hole. So good job to you. That was very exciting. I thought we might be sponsored by them with all the uh, pictures I've seen coming from them. Let's start a war. No, a seltzer a bidding war. war. Oh, a bidding war. Yes, that's the kind of wars you can do. <laughs> bidding wars. Bidding wars for our, for our services and our yeah. promotion. If you can't tell, we're talking about golf this week, so we got to fill it with some stuff at the beginning. Busy's in golf, which is quite is, a day. That is your dream come true, is it not? It's pretty high up there. Um, the first time I ever had a hard seltzer was on a golf course. So that's pretty exciting. It was a white claw. I bought one to try it out. And uh, that might have been the last time I've had a white claw, but um, it was the first time I sampled it. So it makes sense that Vizzy and golf go together. Are you drinking it at Country View? Because Country View sounds like the white claw of golf courses. No, this is uh, Vinker in good old Ames, Iowa. I forget only the finest golf courses for you. That's right. Some of us don't. Some of us can't afford to play those kind of places. Yeah, it's like $20 for 18 holes or something like that during the week. So, Disc golf is free. You get into disc golfing and save a lot of money. You have to 
I don't even know where Discourse is close to me. Johnstown. I have to look that up. Johnstown, right along the lake. I will give that Johnston one credit. Darren, you played that with me one time. That was a lot of fun. That was a good course. We drank a lot of not busy. That's before we were into busy. Anyway, it is Masters Week. We're going to do our big Masters preview. We've got Kevin and Shannon on with me this week, our golf experts. If you're like me, the ma- uh, Masters is kind of when you turn your attention to golf. It's the golf kickoff for the year for me. I'm more of a majors fan. I think Shannon's in the middle and Kevin is a golf nerd. So we're going to get his in-depth take on some of these names. Some of the people to look at, the big names you know, the underdogs that you may not know yet. Before we get into that, we need to put a bow on March Madness. I think one of you cashed out pretty well at halftime with Kansas. Kansas started out big, then UNC came back, and then Kansas rallied back. And we're all kind of big uh, Kansas haters on this show, so a little bit of having to eat crow. I don't really love North Carolina. I just hate Kansas more. All in all, I thought a phenomenal tournament. I don't want to be hyperbolic and say it was the best of all time. I know people love to say that after everything. A phenomenal tournament, I think the best of many years because it got us back to form after the COVID era. Fantastic. To me, fantastic games every round. And I think the championship game was fantastic. But what are your guys' takes when you think back in the last couple weeks we've had of college basketball? What memories stand out? Really good tournament. Um, I don't know if there's any of those one single moments that they're going to show for the next 40 years took place. I don't think there's any, there's not one shining moment. There was, there's lots of shining moments, not just one, but, um, not one. I'm trying to think there's a couple shots maybe at the end of the game, but I don't think there's anything at the buzzer that happened to win a game. Um, so you didn't really have any huge things like that but i think you had a lot of really good games a lot of interesting games and you think back to things like the the baylor unc game that was all over the place and horrible refing and overtime and big comebacks and somehow north carolina managed to win after blowing a big lead um that was pretty pretty exciting to see and watch and there's just a number of games like that that played out you had st peter's to to give that cinderella fun story um and that always makes things better when you have not just a small school like a Wichita State, but a really small school making big noise. So that was fun to see. Um, You know, in the end, North Carolina was super hot coming into the tournament. They stayed that way and rode it up there. Um, You know, North Carolina Duke game, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, You could watch that game played a million times over again if that energy and what was on the line with Final Four and Coach K going out like that. um, That was probably one of the best most enjoyable college games that I've watched in a while Um, so that was pretty fun in the championship game um, you know it looked like maybe it was gonna not be too exciting for a long time and then Shannon got his ticket cashed in so good for that but um, it was a good you know a good strong comeback which Kansas has been doing Uh, and you know I've seen some people talk about this but I think it really kind of goes to the the Bill Self is a really good basketball coach. He's not just a person who knows how to get really good players to come to his school and then let them go be really good. He's a really good coach and they didn't make that comeback just because they have good players. They made the comeback because of who their coaches um, and they came back and, you know, in, in the tournaments, they probably had a, a somewhat easy path. Um, you kind of think of the teams that they had to play. Providence was a decent team. Um, so that was maybe kind of a tough game. And then they had Miami that. Um, you know, just not enough to them. And they had a, a big lead too on, on Kansas and then kind of fell apart, but you know, that wasn't really a hard team. And then Villanova had an injury going into it. They only had about four players that could actually do something for Villanova. And, you know, they gave Kansas all they could handle. So it wasn't like Kansas is some awesome team that some of the years we have um, that, you know, that team for sure, they're going to win it. But um, overall they were the team that, when it came down to it, they, they showed up, they had players make big plays, big shots, um, did what they needed to do. So overall fun tournament, um, you know, maybe not the best ever. I'd have to think some other tournaments, probably not the best ever, but it was really entertaining and fun to watch. Um, and hopefully each year they're at least as good as this year. And I won't rehash a lot of that. The reason why I put my good bet on Kansas at halftime are, our next sponsor that we're going to hit up, by the way, is DraftKings for their excellent profit boost. Maybe we get a DraftKings sticker on our Vizzy van. It'd be pretty sweet. So DraftKings, if you're uh, 
you know, if you're into making more money, hit us up. So they plus three thirty or something at the half for Kansas on the money line to win. And why I put that bet on them is because of what they did to Miami in the second. So I'm thinking if anybody can score 50 points and a half, it's Kansas and, and uh, play excellent defense. So DraftKings had a boost, a profit boost during the game. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's load it up. So I got to like plus 495 on Kansas money line at the half. So that was, I'm, I'm living off of that one for a long time. Uh, you that won the tournament that had to go through some adversity. Creighton gave them a tough run and hit them as close as anybody. And then they were battle tested again by Miami at the half. So, so they got ready. I do think there was an injury that played into the national title game with North Carolina, the, the giant dude, that's just an awesome player. His name escapes me now. Uh, but, but I think with him being at full health, they may have, hey, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, they may have, they may have pulled it out overall, an excellent tournament, a lot of fun to watch. Once your bracket goes to garbage, like most of ours did, uh, you're just there to watch some fun basketball, some really high level basketball, because you don't get that during the whole season. And then they play really well in the tournament and it's fun to watch. And I, you guys both talked about it. I think that's what you see in the tournament is it's team basketball, Kansas. Yes. They've done shady stuff. There's people there are guys sitting in jail right now who helped build this team for Kansas, Adidas, shoe guys. And we know the CD underbelly of college basketball and the ham, hammer may be falling here on Kansas and Bill Self here in the coming years. We'll see what happens there. But this was a veteran team. Even Abaji, who's the star of this team, was the player of the tournament. He's a senior, I believe. Uh, McCormick, Brown, uh, Remy Martin, the main guys on this team are all upperclassmen. This is not a team of super freshmen that we kind of think about. I think maybe 2015 Duke, for sure 2012 Kentucky, maybe 2015 Duke is the last of those kind of super freshman, young, all five-star, one-and-done players. The last couple of years, Kansas, Baylor, Virginia, Villanova uh, twice, and then North Carolina, you have teams that coaching is big, veteran leadership, smart players, building the team over time is what gets it done. There may be plenty of great one-and-done talent out there, but I don't think that any team is really running through as much as we hate to see these guys go to the NBA soon. If you want to win a championship in college, it takes a lot of experience to get to the mountaintop. That is very true. Um, so your Kentucky and Duke examples, and those are probably the two teams that seem to really load up on one-and-dones that might have multiple um, North Carolina, it seems like doesn't really ever have too many. They seem to have a lot of experienced guys and they've had some down years in the last handful of years, but when they've been good, it seems like the, you know, it's like a Tyler Hansborough type guy who's been around for a while, but they've had a lot of that in Kansas again this year that, you know, they'll have, they'll have people like, uh, Embiid every now and then and guys like that, that are, are superstars and maybe a couple guys one and done, but Kansas usually has a lot of, or not a lot, but each year they have some guy that's been there for four years. That's, you know, he's been all conference two years in a row, but he's not an NBA talent. And so you need to kind of mix those in with your superstars. Kansas has done pretty good at that. North Carolina has, has done a pretty good job over the years too, of kind of mixing those in. Um, whereas you kind of see Kentucky and Duke, they will go up and down, up and down and kind of all over the place. And they have, they've had a little bit of a harder time in more recent years, or, you know, stringing things together to get championships at those, those schools. Um, once they've kind of started doing heavy one and dones or, you know, at least a few guys on their team that are one and dones, um, you know, maybe the transfer. Now they can just bring in some of those experienced guys. Maybe that's going to help them out here over these next couple of years as that gets full blown. Um, as you saw with Kentucky this year, had the guy in there, but maybe now they bring in three, you know, senior guys that are pretty good to go along with two awesome freshmen. They'll get back in there. But um, the one and done is not a model to win. Um, and so Kansas had a well-constructed team, not, not deep. They didn't have a lot of guys. They mostly played about six guys in the championship game. Um, so you don't really need a lot of depth. It seems like when you kind of get to that level, but, um, you need, you need five, six, maybe seven really solid guys. Experience really pays off in the tournament. Can you guys name any of the tournament MVPs? Prior in the last 10 years, you had O'Shea Abaji out of Kansas this year. Can you name any of the previous 10 winners of the awards? That goes back to 2011 because COVID. Anthony uh, Davis. 
Anthony Davis, 2012 Kentucky is correct. He's probably the biggest name on this list. There's your spoiler. Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones. Wow. If you, if you have it in, with Kevin, we never know if he actually has it in front of him, but 2015 Duke Tyus Jones. No, he's a, he's a twin cities guy. I, I was living up there at the time. I had to keep my twin cities people close to me. Apple Valley, I think. Um, who else? Probably some Villanova guys, right? Who are they? Was the guy to hit the game winner for Villanova? Is he on that list? See the. I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, who else is one? Oh, Baylor last year. Who was it? Uh, was it Davian Mitchell? Did he get it? It was not Davian Mitchell. Oh. Yeah, I would not have guessed the Baylor guy in a thousand years. And it was just last year. Dante DiVincenzo. Dante DiVincenzo, 2018 Villanova. I think he's in the NBA floating around. Is he with the Bucks? Mm-hmm. Or got traded from yeah, the Bucks, maybe? He's with the Bucks, yeah. Sounds right. All right. So going in reverse chronological order last year, Jared Butler out of Baylor. Uh, okay. 2019, Kyle Guy for Virginia. You mentioned DiVincenzo, 2018. 2017, I don't think either of you were ever getting this one, Joel Berry II for North Carolina. 2016, Ryan Archidiacono, the other Villanova guy. You mentioned Tyus Jones, 2015. Uh, You had the two UConn guards, 2014, Shabazz Napier, 2011, Kemba Walker, and those two Cinderella runs. And then I would say right up there with Joel Berry II as the two hardest answers, 2013 Louisville. Anybody got it? Any ideas? Luke Hancock. No, he never. probably works at principal with you now. He works at John Hancock. His uncle <laughs> runs that company. Well, before we get to the masters, anything else on the college basketball season we need to touch on? Oh, congrats to the women's side, South Carolina, Aaliyah Boston, really the player of the year, the team of the year that we expected. It's always fun when not UConn wins the women's tournament. It kind of felt like it was UNC or UNC. Sorry. South Carolina, NC State, or UConn that was going to win it. So congratulations to the South Carolina women. Phenomenal season for them. Clearly the best team, and happy to see them put a cherry on top and Aaliyah Boston finish her historic season. Anything else in the college basketball side, men's, women's? No. It's golf time. It's Kevin time. Our, our resident golf nerd knows anything and everything about golf. There's probably been golf happening before the Masters, but I have no idea what it is or what it would be. But as we head into the Masters, I, w- I want to name a couple of names here, and you can tell us what we should expect from these guys at Augusta before we get into talking about the field. But golf has a new number one, and it's a guy who feels like he's been putzing around for a long time and then is suddenly the number one player in the world. But what is happening that Scotty Scheffler is the number one ranked golfer in the world right now? He has, uh, as you said, he's kind of been working his way up over the last couple of years. You know, I think of uh, our golf contest when we draft guys, I thought maybe two years ago he got picked kind of early on. It's the kind of first time that we've, we kind of looked at taking him. Um, but he's, he's slowly been rising up there. Um, you know, he's mid twenties, so he hasn't been around too long. Um, but really lately he's kind of turned it on, has a handful of wins um, to his career and, you know, in majors, he's showing up to in majors. He's played well. Um, and, you know, it's just something that's been a continual climb still for him. And so, you know, hopefully he seems like a, a fun guy to cheer for and watch. So um, hopefully it, it keeps going up. And at some point here, he kind of gets that that major win and definitely seems like a player that will get get one at some point. Um, I picked him first today in a, a snake draft I did on FanDuel. So I hope he does well. Um, he was, I think number like maybe nine or 10 on the list. And I took him number one overall. So, um, I'm going to say Scotty Scheffler does awesome this week. At least I hope so. No thoughts on Scotty Scheffler up there on top. I like when new people do well at a sport. It's I, I'm kind of over the Dustin Johnson, Pepka group of people. 
Adam Scott, if you want to throw him in there, like I'm kind of over that. I like to see the new crop of golfers. So I hope Scott has a great run at it. And that's going to tie in to my next point as well. The names you just mentioned there. Yeah. Those guys are still top 10, top 20 golfers, but it feels a little bit wide opening. John Rahm's kind of played himself into that top tier, but you look at the top 10, a lot of new names and people changing it up. DJ's down a little bit. Rory's down. Uh, Brooksy and Bryson are down there. Spieth is down. We know Phil's got his own issues going on. We'll get to that. And Tiger's always going to be around. But it feels like you do have some names, guys like you maybe expect Sergio and Zach Johnson, kind of names you're familiar with, aren't doing anything really special anymore. Patrick Reed, does Patrick Reed even play golf anymore? Like three years ago, I thought he was going to be in that class with DJ and Spieth and those guys. It feels like he's disappeared. Uh, So kind of bridging those two topics of getting some new blood up there but we have to talk about them. They're still the two biggest names in golf. Can you explain what exactly is going on with Phil? And then people I think are getting over their skis. Oh my gosh, Tiger's going to be there in contention on the final day. I'm not buying the tie. I don't think Tiger makes the cut, but you've got your two biggest names in golf, Phil and Tiger. What's going on with both of them? I'll start with Tiger. Cause I think that's a much easier topic to discuss. So, um, you know, his, his injury was super severe. And so the, the comeback and compete at any kind of high level seems pretty hard to do a, a good job at it. Um, given that he has, you know, leg injuries, has had other leg injuries before this one. Um, playing at the Masters, Augusta, extremely hilly. So you got the walking aspect up and down, up and down, up and down. You know, it's just golf, but that walking at Augusta is a different walk than most of the other courses they play. Um, and so doing that four straight days in a row would be a, a lot of work on that. Um, on top of that, so then has power, what's his power going to look like, which it sounds like it's okay. Um, one other thing that I would, I would think about is what kind of balance does he have as he's going through his swinging motion? He's going to be in a lot of inclines or declines at Augusta. Um, right foot, left foot, one of them higher, nothing's flat at Augusta. And so keeping balance, having that strength in your legs to kind of keep a good balance as you're swinging, um, is pretty important. And as you get to those last couple holes in the day and his legs are starting to be sore, hurt, whatever it might be, um, you know, is he able to keep, you know, keep, uh, up playing solid all the way to the end. Um, and to, to win a tournament, it, it takes basically really close to being perfect at your game for anybody right now. Um, and that would, you know, just seem like a far fetch. And I think the good thing with Tiger right now in his career is he knows winning is probably not in the cards for him. And he's not going to beat himself up over being in 40th place. Um, if he made the cut, I think he'd be pretty happy with that and pretty excited to play in the weekend. Um, and so that mindset and that attitude, I think will help him a lot and that he won't, um, be fighting with himself to try and make shots that he can't, um, that he will play what he thinks he can play. He's super smart. He knows what he can do. Um, you know, he's been hitting golf balls for however long, um, since his injury that he, he knows where his body's at. And so I think from a mental standpoint, he's in a good spot to, to do well as well as he probably can physically. He's probably not there. Um, so I, I would not expect him to be anywhere close to winning the tournament. Um, but I think it'd be pretty fun if he made the cut and was able to be around all weekend long and, you know, Saturday or Sunday, get to show a couple highlights of him hitting some good shots. Um, the crowd would love that. It'd be great for TV. So that would, I think that'd be a win if he made the cut, um, might even just be a win to play two full rounds and, you know, look normal, even if he doesn't make the cut. So, people will be pretty excited for that. You know, hopefully he doesn't play three holes and it starts getting really bad and he starts doing pretty bad in withdrawals. That wouldn't be very fun. Um, be fun to watch him. And if he somehow made it to be in contention to win on Sunday, the world would probably go crazy. Twitter and everything else in the world would be absolute crazy if he's in that position. So, um, don't think it'll happen, but, um, it'll be fun to see what happens. I just think it's it's quite a remarkable story, regardless of how big of a Tiger fan you are, or if you're anti-Tiger, just for him back from physically what he's come back from to have a chance to play. And everything you see on Twitter is is that he is he's going to make a run at it, like he's completed his practice round and and is done well and looks good. So I I'm really hesitant if if you're into gambling on golf, I'd be really hesitant to 
put him in the top 10, but I certainly hope he makes the cut to add in tree tournament. And in the most PC way possible, can we summarize what's going on with Phil and if we expect him back on the PGA anytime soon? Um, expect him back. The answer is probably not anything about Phil. Um, there has been people in Saudi Arabia with lots and lots of money that have been trying to get a golf tour started um, that would, I believe, take place around the world, um, but funded through Saudi Arabia. Um, and they're just trying to throw extremely large bags of cash at some of the best golfers in the world to say, come play in these tournaments. It would be more like what a, a regular sport season would look like where they play in 10 tournaments at a given time, um, no cuts. So they're guaranteed getting money only, you know, like 30 players. So small fields, the best players, um, and tons of money involved. And so that was the idea to draw people in. Um, it seems like Phil got involved, probably one of two reasons. One, he's older. Um, you know, he got a major recently, but he's older. He's not doing as much on the tour. He probably felt it was okay to maybe put some things out there that might get him in trouble. And so he was probably okay with that. Um, the PGA tour is its own private entity. It can kind of do whatever it wants. And Phil and probably a number of other golfers and people think that probably over the years they have done things that, um, are not in the best interest of the golfers. And so what it seems like Phil's ultimate goal was to make the PGA tour change kind of how they do stuff and have things set up to better golf for the golfers, um, on the PGA tour. And so Phil kind of threw himself out there as a way to, uh, try and make that happen. And the PGA tour did not, not budge. They threw out a lot of, uh, punishments that would go out to people who wanted to be part of this little break off tour, um, including you can never be in the PJ tour again, which, um, you know, if you leave and then you can't come back, that's, that's pretty harmful. I think the European tour is in the same way. So essentially you'd have no place to go to golf, um, at a high level if you fell into this category. So, um, that's where Phil's at right now. He is pretty much basically kicked out of the PJ tour. I don't know if that's officially something that's been said or done, but, um, for him to show up in any kind of PGA Tour event anytime soon seems highly unlikely. Um, and even, you know, something like the U.S. Open and things like that that aren't specifically tied to the PGA Tour or the Masters, um, but they're probably going to stay as far away from it as possible, too. So it would be really unfortunate if we never see Phil Mickelson play golf in a major golf tournament ever again. Um, but at this point, I would not be surprised if that is true. And that was going to be my question. I thought like the masters are, you mentioned the PGA can do whatever it wants. Isn't the masters kind of its own thing? Like they can pick and choose who they want to play there too. So even if the, even if the PGA doesn't want to fill Augusta could be like, Hey, we're Augusta. We're going to have him. Yeah. So the masters, um, they have, I mean, he's a, as a, as a past champion, I think he could be there for life. Right. So, um, and so I don't know if they specifically publicly said you can't come play this year but there's probably some behind the scenes saying, Hey, at least this year, you know, don't show up. Um, and so not there this year. Um, and you know, they're their own thing. If anyone was to not care what the PJ tour thought, it's probably the masters. I would imagine the, uh, the USGA with the U S open, um, and the RNA over in Europe with, um, the open will not, um, will not let Phil be part of their events either. Um, so maybe the masters, otherwise, um, you're looking at some random offshoot tournaments in other parts of the world. If you see him again, um, the other one thing could be, he's done some of these, um, you know, like two on two tournaments with uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and something like that, that maybe, maybe ESPN or whoever is paying for those will be willing to, uh, to invite him on. Um, but again, people, I don't think want to step on any toes with the PJ tour if they have associations with them. So you're probably looking for something that is not at all affiliated in a TV way with the PJ tour. Um, some other kind of online network barstool sports or something like that, that would, uh, record and film some kind of event out there with him. So maybe, maybe something like that, but a regular PJ tour event, it's going to be a while if ever again. Which is too bad. He's a fun personality, so 
one of those things you hope they work out and time heals all wounds, but a very sticky situation for all involved. And before we get to some favorites and dark horses, I want to get to two guys who have created their own uh, storyline within golf. Brooksy and BDC, do we, what do we expect out of these two? Are they going to throw a punches at the Masters? I noticed at least in the first day they have different tee times, but do you expect anything out of either of these guys to be in contention? It feels like injuries have kind of hampered each of them in the last year or so. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. That kind of for where Kepco was at in, in terms of especially major performances. Um, and he had a really, a really fantastic run there. It seems like he hasn't been talked about a lot for a little while here. I'm trying to look up here to see if uh, what his what he's done in majors lately. He he did pretty good last year actually. You see, he is in the he missed a cut in the Masters, but then he was the top six in the other three majors last year. So he's he's still there again, only in majors, but he hasn't been winning. He hasn't won since 2019. Um, and so that's that's kind of the main thing. You know, if if you get fifth place. We don't really talk about you and care if you get fifth place over and over and over again. That's when you get those wins. So, um, but he's had those injuries. Uh, BDC has, has been dealing with injuries recently. Um, hasn't been playing, competing until pretty recently with that. I would not probably expect too much from him from that aspect. Um, you know, Kepka, he'll probably be around there. I don't think he's going to win, but you know, if he finishes in 12th place, I don't think that would be very surprising. I was uh, hoping to get your input before I made more money for retirement. So, so Bryson DeChambeau, BDC, as Darren has his cheek, is plus four fifty to finish top ten. What are your feelings on that? My first feeling is I hate doing top tens. I hate like any placings in golf. It's so hard to. Uh, I mean, you could be like two strokes is the difference between third place and 12th place and so um i would say definitely no top 10 for him um unless you just want to put small amounts of money on it and say you made money off bdc but i don't think that's happening um not not this week do you ever realize how many terrific names there are amongst elite golfers victor hovland xander shoffley Louis Oosthuizen, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Joaquin Nyman, Will Zalatoris, Jason Kokrak, and of course, Taylor Gooch. A lot of fun names in golf. That there are. Dustin Johnson. Who's <laughs> exciting if his name says he is. Uh, what's the Kiradek Afi Benrat? Oh, yeah, the... Uh... Is it from India? I think so. Is that where he's from? I don't know. Yeah. The he's pretty masters. good. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's done well enough in majors, but uh, non-majors, he's he's a good pick. You've got to, and I know I always said this name wrong. Christian Gazundheit, the guy out of South Africa, is Gazundheit. That Bezun guy, Bezun 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 Hoot. Yeah, yeah. something okay. like that. Maverick McNeely. He's a uh, Straka. Bazinhut's a solid Masters player. If you're if you're looking for someone that uh. You can probably get like a, maybe a top 20 fit finish that has probably a decent payout for being top 20. He might be a good option for you. He's plus 130 to finish top 30. What? Where are you looking? DraftKings. The official sponsor Bazen of the show. Christian Bazin. Who is that yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. Top 30. Finish top, top 30. Gotta get plus Ke- 130. Got to get Kevin off FanDuel. Mm. That's uh. No, I was okay. That's my my fault. I was on top twenty. He's plus two seventy five um, for top twenty. That's some good money. Yeah, top. I'd say you know top twenty is. Uh, I definitely stay away from top ten and top five is ridiculous. And picking a winner is super hard. Um, I'll put some money on a winner, small amounts, just to say I got him right. Not that I care to win seven dollars, but um, just to say that. But like top thirty, that's that's usually like as high as I'll go for a top finish so um he's probably a, a decent guy in fact let's see who else would you say plus 170 or something i said plus 130 plus 130 that's that's a decent payout though right plus 130 i, I think that's uh for the people all around that area i think he's a good 
good option in there. Let's see, who did I do at plus for? I did someone for top 30 tonight here. Oh, Corey Connors. Is that who I did? I'm a big Corey Connors believer, and especially when it comes to the Masters. Um, so if you're looking for somebody that's a little bit longer shot to win, Corey Connors, Zalatorius, and um, who else? Uh, Russell Henley. Those would be a uh, little bit longer odd people to uh, to pick. What about Tiger looking? Tiger? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have a different question. Um, the other one that, you know, is totally random and is probably not smart to bet on, but something fun to say that you won is uh, the round one winner. Um, our favorite, and by our favorite, not really our favorite, but uh, Louis Stazen, however you say his last name, O-O-O-O-O guy. Yep. Um, Louis he always seems to show up really good in the first round of tournaments and he like, he'll finish as well. Right. He's like always going to be in the top 20. It seems like forever until he's 80 years old. Um, but round one winner, Louis, I think, I think I put like a dollar on him plus 3,500 to uh, <laughs> be in the lead after the first round. So um, he's uh, he's a good one. Another person that tempts me in that department is uh, Mr. Shane Lowry. He's plus 4,000. Um, he's also another solid person to pick to, uh, to do well at the masters, um, and most majors in general, but good pick for the master and maybe a, a first round winner. I don't think either of those two would win the masters, but first round leader, which is pretty much impossible. And just guessing at that point, those would be some guys to, uh, to look into. So my question about tiger was making the cut plus one Oh five. Don't like it. Yeah, I won't. I won't touch anything with Tiger. Um, that that type of injury and stuff. We just. I mean, we don't even know if he's gonna start the tournament. And so many times, people like that, they want to start a tournament and then they withdraw because they're gonna try and do it, and then it just doesn't work out. So I would definitely not invest any money on Tiger to do anything because everything that he has is like. Uh, the payout is way lower than it should be just because his name is Tiger Woods. I was doing, you can do like these, uh, who's going to finish the best out of like these three or six players. I've been looking for those that involve Tiger Woods as one of the people and picking one of the other guys because I expect them to beat Tiger. And so I feel like I have a better shot to win when there's a, a freebie in the, the competition. But anyway, that's not here or there. So we did this a little backwards. We we gave you the long shots first, but if you guys had to give give two picks per person, your actual favorite favorites, who's gonna win the Masters? So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Scotty Scheffler as being one of those. He's he's my guy. I'm all in on. Um, and another one I'm going to go off of just basically off of stats that I had passed along information to Shannon just a little bit before this show, um, shots, uh, shots gained approach to green is usually very important for winning, um, the masters, those approach shots into the green. If you miss the green, are you giving yourselves a long putt on the green? You're usually not going to win. Maybe you can salvage yourself and you're a good scrambler and you're going to get pars and stuff like that, but you're not going to win. You're not going to be up there. And so right now I have that list in front of me of uh, people that are really good in that category. Um, and so, you know, there's obviously the good players show up here. You know, you got Justin Thomas, John Rahm up pretty high in here, but my second choice if Sky Scheffler doesn't win, I'm going to go with Cam Smith. He's number eight in this category. I'm playing really well. Good golfer. Um, he'll be my uh, my other pick, Cam Smith or Scotty Scheffler. That's how you know you've got a serious golf fan. Kevin has sabermetrics numbers on golfers. <laughs> That's important. You got I mean, I'm definitely not the only person. I'd probably do this a lot less than uh, the people who like to do the, the fantasy golf hardcore. If you listen to any of those podcasts, like this is all they talk about is – you know, what, what people did for scoring on this type of grass and in this state and in, you know, this time zone in the past, and then all the shots gained information out there is, you know, it's stats are kind of boring when you try and use them to 
answer sports, but they usually kind of guide you in the right direction. So it's hard to uh, ignore them. Darren, you you ready for this? You're riding with Victor Hovland. X going to give it to you. Yes, finally. That's my pick. He's he's the one I'm going with. I it, it's time. It's now or never. So so he's my one pick and then just to be safe, I'll say Brooks Kepka. And Xander's one of those guys, and Kevin, you can explain this to me. It feels like there's so many of these guys who are in the top 20 and top 30 all the time and never. I'm ready for a Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, Xander, Billy Horschel, Tyrell Hatton. All these guys, I feel like they've been around. Somebody wins something. I feel like they're always in there. I think I feel like you love Kevin Kisner as well. One of these guys going to win. They're always in the rankings. I pick them in golf challenges, and it turns around to bite. Tony Finau is the big one. Everybody loves Tony Finau. I think he's still waiting to win his first major. These guys are always kind of always a bridesmaid. It's never a bride. I'm waiting for some of these guys to break through kind of the way John Rahm finally did, but always, always bites me. I try to take a flyer on some of these contenders. Yeah. Xander uh, looking at here, he's played in 18 majors. He's finished in the top 10, nine times, half of the time he's finished in the top 10 when he's played in the major six top five finishes. One in three majors he plays and he finishes in the top five. Um, zero wins, though. So um, I was already in our, in our contest we do with our friends for picking golfers. I had uh, Scotty Scheffler picked, and I was ready to go off the board and pick a guy we've never picked before because that's kind of fun. And I was lined up to take Mr. Corey Connors as my second pick, and I was all excited when I do something a little different, it makes me sound all golfy and stuff like that, picking some Canadian to win the Masters, which doesn't happen outside of Mike Weir. And you guys didn't pick Xander. Nobody picked Xander. So we went through like nine picks or something like that. And Xander had not been picked yet. And it was back to me. And I, I can't I can't pass on Xander in a major because I don't need a winner in that contest. I just need someone to do well. And Xander's going to be there. He's going to be in the top 10. Is he going to win? You'd think eventually you can only finish in the top 10, top five so many times and not win. Accidentally, at some point, he's going to start making a couple key shots late in the round to win. But um, he's a solid, solid golfer. You know, some of those other golfers, they're here and they're there and they finish, you know, top 20 a lot. Um, Kevin Kisner, he's a lot older than those guys and he's not going to win. Kevin Kisner is a big trap, I feel like, for the Masters. One, he doesn't hit the ball very far. He's a smaller person, doesn't hit the ball long. Um, but what's really gets him to, tra- I think people fall into a trap is that the week before this or what, two weeks ago, whenever it was, they had one of the world golf championships in Texas. And he always does really good in that tournament. Despite the last one, he usually does before the majors. And he's won it like twice this year. He made it maybe to the final semifinals. And he always does really good. That He loves that course. He does awesome at it this big tournament. And so it always kind of looks like he's really hot going into the majors and he's not going to do anything in the majors, especially in the masters. So um, don't fall into a Kevin Kisner is good trap and pick him or put any kind of money in him to do anything because he won't, you know, just lose money. No Kevin Kisner, at least not in the masters or majors. What are Xander's numbers when hitting from the fairway around a tree that's 87 degrees to the right on a sunny day? Well, Xander's approach here, approach to the green. Where's Xander at? He's not, he's not over high. Let's see. I got to scroll down all the ways to get to Xander. Oh, he's number 38. That's respectable. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Around the green. That's like around a tree. So in case he misses the green, what's he do around the green? Good old Xander. He doesn't miss the green though. So he's probably not even on this list. Okay. He's always on the green. Number 49 on that. Hmm. Don't so let's see here off the tee. Let's, let's do uh off. Oh, that's tee to green. That's the whole way there. Where's, where's he on there? It's number 16. But anyway, as, as you might kind of see from all this, he's just high in all these, all these things. How about putting? Let's see, do putting. Let's see a good putter. Xander, Xander, Xander. You know, it's strange that putting is like this, uh, you putt for dough, right? That's what that's what everyone says you're supposed to do. And so shots gained putting. So here, year to date, PGA Tour, this is the shots gained putting list. Number one, 
Tyrell Hatton. Number two, Brian Gay. Cameron Smith. Bo Hostler. Lucas Herbert. I do not think he's related to any quarterbacks in the NFL. Kelly Craft, Kevin Kisner, Martin Trainer, Mackenzie Hughes, Brendan Todd, Billy Horschel, Matt Kuchar, apparently still golfs, Adam Scott, <laughs> Denny McCarthy, who I think plays at the local Muni here in Des Moines, Scotty Scheffler, Mark Leishman, Shane Lowry, Matthias Schwab, who I'm guessing is a real person, Adam Long. Anyway, oh, Jim Noss is number 22. Kind of strange that uh, putting all the top guys aren't anyone who's actually good, in, especially in majors. Hmm. No longer putt for dough. Drive for show and dough. So you're saying you're saying Bryson is on to something? I think so. I mean, he's he's the big uh, the big metric guy, stats guys, number guy, trying to be all all smart and stuff like that. So let's see here, just off the tee. Oh, not that. That's not the one I want. I want off the tee. Okay, off the tee, number one. Let's see, where's Bryson off the tee? I figured he'd be kind of high, but maybe he always misses the fairway, so he's not. He's not high. <laughs> Never mind. He's not good at this. Off the tee, John Rahm. Killing everybody off the tee. Way high than anyone else. So, which is pretty important at the Masters as well. So, what, that's why Rahm's always up there. Does Ricky Fowler golf anymore? Is he just completely gone? He, I think uh, I asked this like last year, and I don't remember what the answer was. Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of gone on a slow descent into relevancy in terms of uh, golf. So he's kind of at the stage now where he's done enough over some years, and he's decent enough that he gets to play in kind of all, all the mid-tier tournaments. And uh, you can see him there, and he'll finish in you know, 38th place at some tournament you've never watched before. Um, but he's not, and I don't know if he's, he's been missing majors yet. So the masters has a small field. So missing, missing the masters isn't all that surprising. Um, there's lots of people that missed the masters. He didn't play in the masters last year. He didn't play in the U S open last year, but he did get eighth at the PJ championship last year. So, um, you know, he's, he's playing, he's not any, I don't know where he's at in the world standings right now. He is like one twentieth. Um, but uh, he's he's at that level where you might see him at the John Deere Classic and he's showing up in the quad cities um, because he can't get into the very top tier tournaments. And so he's playing a lot of the mid tournaments to try and get his uh, full status and ranking higher and all that stuff. So I don't know where he's he's at in all that world, but uh, not at a point where you're seeing him on your TV and the important events that you're watching anymore. Well, I am not going to pick him. I'm going to go. For my two picks, I'm going to go boring. I'm going to go with Rom. I kind of doubted him for a long time, and he has proven proven his worth here. Bo- boring picking one of the front runners. I'm going to go with him, and then a guy who finished second here in 2017. I think has has a major win somewhere in his history. Justin Rose is going to be my somewhat dark horse. CBS ranks him as the 31st out of 91 guys, so I'm going to consider that off the board enough. So to recap, my two are Rose and Rom, which your guys' top two picks. Scheffler and who else? Cam Smith. And I have Xander Shoffley and Brooks Kepka. And then you guys threw out some of the good dark horses there, so we're covering all of our bases. And you got, and you got all those bets. Always follow our betting tips. If you've learned nothing else from this show, you always win money. Lots of money. Anything else Masters related before we do a couple of quick hitter topics? The I'm excited for three mid tier guys. Corey Connors, I've already said, is a, an amazing Canadian person. Will Zaltorius and Russell Henley. Those are the guys who they're not probably long shots per se, um, but they're not they're not top people. But uh, they will all do pretty well this week. So if you want to take them to finish in the top thirty, maybe top twenty, maybe even uh a little chance to win. Or if you're doing daily fantasy, hit them up on your team in golf. Probably some good value with them. Is this the most fun weekend of the year, like of their life for Sandy Lyle, Jose Maria Olazabal? What else is in that list? 
There's a third one. Oh, Larry Mize. Larry Mize, Sandy Lyle. Is Langer playing? Bernard, Bernard. Bernhard Longer. Bernard Longer. So, Mr. Mr. Longer. Um, so, I have in the past volunteered at the senior event here in Des Moines. And uh, the last time I did it, I didn't do it last year. Um, the last time I did it, he played in it. And a lot of the senior guys kind of take this as kind of like a, a retirement party. And they'll probably be a lot less serious than the uh, PGA Tour guys, except for him. He always looks serious. And maybe that's just his uh, German demeanor of that uh, I'm never knowing if he's having fun or not. But uh, I feel like he's showing up to win and he's not showing up to have fun and be, yay, like I still get to play in the Masters and this is a fun old time, like some of those other guys, like Sandy Lyle or whoever else. Um, so I think those other guys, this is a fantastic time. They get to go play two rounds at Augusta in front of the crowds with all the young people and get to go to their little champions dinner and all that stuff. That's pretty exciting. I imagine that they look forward to that very much each year, but uh, Mr. Longer, he probably doesn't care as much about the dinner and he's ready to go smack some young kids around the golf course. All right. So that is the masters, my favorite golf tournament of the year. So the, a, a good weekend to sit inside, watch some golf especially on Sunday. Master Sunday is one of the best sports days of the year when nonstop coverage, no commercials. It's fun. Um, quick, uh, just a couple minutes here. Did you guys watch WrestleMania? What'd you think of it? All the hours that you watched a two night event now. So you can get like 10 hours over two days. I watched all the stuff that uh, involves people not actually in wrestling that participated in wrestling. And so uh, the, the Pat McAfee stuff is probably what I saw the most of. Um, and so he's, you know, continues to take over the world and every arena, including expanding apparently his WWE role. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Anything that he does usually turns out to be fun. Um, so I saw lots of clips of him. Um, and Darren, I'm sure this made you really excited that in the sport you hold so dearly, you have let in YouTube personalities to take over and what Jake Paul, whatever Paul it was, what was that all about? Uh, it is the less talented Paul brother. At least Jake Paul seems to know how to fight. This is Logan, who is oh. a person who does things. Yeah. yeah See, this is why work. I don't watch WrestleMania because it's a spectacle for mainstream attention. It has no actual, you know, there's like three matches mixed in and then you have Johnny Knoxville and Logan Paul. At least Pat McAfee's yeah. like there, like he's their commentator. So he actually tries. Yeah. He's, he's really entertaining and, uh, you know, it's, it probably works. They probably do that stuff because however many millions of people that view any Paul brothers activities, they probably do that. But it seems like WWE has done a pretty fantastic job at marketing themselves and continues to. So um, whether it's stuff like that or not stuff like that, they don't seem to have any shortage of people watching their events. You're the only national bro podcast talking about bernard longer johnny knoxville pat Mack. hey that I was mean, the dream that was the dream when i started this whole thing we're not going to be your we're not going to talk about the dallas cowboys and lebron for seven hours a day we're going to give you the deep cuts and the obscure that is that is a pretty unique subset of uh athletes we'll call them what do you think Vizzy? Uh, that is the Vizzy market right there People who care a lot about <laughs> old German golfers, crew from jackass movies from nine years ago or 19 years ago, however long that's been. And then uh, current media personalities, YouTubers, Pat McAfee and YouTubers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good subset. <laughs> every, every podcast needs a snitch. So all in all, did not care about WrestleMania as a wrestling fan. The one fun thing about WrestleMania weekend is all the other companies kind of roll out the red carpet and do big shows. So there's wrestling nonstop over the weekend, no matter what you wanted, uh, specifically look up the ring of honor show that they had. You get some Samoa Joe, you get the best tag team match you've had in like 15 years. So if you want to find some pro wrestling, that wasn't spectacle, the Briscoes versus FTR, but I'll leave it at that. If you know, you know, there, I don't think there's any, podcast that covers third tier wrestling circuits so if you just want to like start one that's fully dedicated to ring of honor and other stuff that you have to watch at like 2 a.m on some fuzzy over antenna channel that i feel like i watched at your apartment one time that's about seven, right seven years ago but not much has changed 
can can, can we do a show that covers that and regional dirt track racing together? We should do that. I'm sure that's very similar fans, right? Ring of Honor. I mean, I don't even know who watches Ring of Honor. If you drew a Venn diagram, there would be a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of mixing in the middle of that bad boy. That show has to be sponsored by Bush Light, though. Local pro wrestling and dirt track racing? Probably. Is that, uh, is, uh, so dirt track racing is obviously big here, but in all the other parts of the world, is Bush Light big enough to capture an overall NASCAR crowd or dirt track crowd? Like if we're down in like North Carolina, do we have to get something else, Keystone or something like that? What, what do we have to do in other parts of the country? No, man, North Carolina's Dale Jr. country. You got to drink about 100 just Budweiser's, bud. I think. I think bud, it's just okay. straight Budweiser. The, the West Coast, the Bush Light gets to be a little bit more spotty. See, it's, it's hard, I think, growing up here because, you know, obviously like bush light and bud light super popular but like you get like miller right because we're close to wisconsin is is miller that popular elsewhere once they kind of leave here and mm-hmm. keystone i mean that's that's really good amongst like the 17 to 21 year old crowd but i'm not sure any adults are still drinking keystone see we don't out, you get out west and you have kind of your regional trashy beers you, you want your, your Bud Lights, your Millers, and your Coors you can find out here. I have to make special pilgrimages to certain stores if I want to get the Bush Lattes. We, we only drink seltzers now, so what's it matter? Yeah, you know what? I, I think I've decided that if, if I'm going to be drinking more than I should be, beer is still the best, the best route to go for that. Um, you know, salt, maybe if it's like 95 degrees outside, a good seltzer. But uh, when, we, when we did the test trial at the uh, – Iowa, Iowa state football game this last year, um, started with the beer because seltzer just didn't feel right in the morning. And then we kind of got back in the seltzer, but I feel like if you're doing an all day fiesta beer is almost a better option than, uh, getting all kinds of bubblies going on with the seltzers in your body. I was thinking yeah. rum. Yeah, that's, uh, that was, I don't, I don't think I'm in a good condition to do this continuous rum these days. That, that was definitely like a 20-year-old tailgating event where you just try and carry the largest container you have with you that uh, has liquid inside of it. 21, Kevin. The drinking age is 21. So 21. That's It's been yeah. so long that I forget what the exact age was that you could legally start drinking. So 21, I, uh, I had a thing called a Bubba keg, which apparently there wasn't a lot of large insulated containers back in the day so the bubba keg was highly coveted and everyone loved my bubba keg because uh it could hold large quantities of mixtures and stuff like that and you could carry it around pretty easily and it'd stay cold all day but i don't see it anymore so it must have fallen off they invented the yeti cooler so i stopped buying them <laughs> maybe that's it maybe yeti, yeti bought them they saw they were onto something they bought them and made them cost seven times as much stop selling them at walmart one thing I want to hit on here quick, and then we're going to have Shannon answer some rapid fire questions, but there's a huge UFC card coming up this weekend, UFC 273. You've got the featherweight title and the bantamweight title on the line, and then two other big fights on the main card. Uh, we'll start at the top here. You have Alexander Volkanovsky, the featherweight champion, and then you have a man who has a name, but we like to call him the Korean zombie. If you're a UFC fan, you know. So Volkanovsky versus Korean zombie. Volkanovsky is minus 720. So the thing with all these bets is there are huge odds for the favorites. I'm not going to advise going against any of these three favorites, but I will pick, I'll, I'll pick one if you really want to go against it. But I think Volkanovsky is a slam dunk. Korean zombies fun. Everybody loves him, but Volkanovsky is going to run through the featherweight division. The bantamweight title fight is kind of a title unification. Uh, don't have time to get into it now. It's a whole thing, but you have Piotr Jan, who should be the champion, Aljamain Sterling, who holds the belt. Again, it's a whole big thing from a year ago. You can look it up if you're curious. But Piotr Jan, a huge favorite here. I love Aljamain Sterling. I may be tempted to put a couple dollars down on him, but he's plus 350. Jan is minus 475. I do not expect Jan to lose this one. And then the one that really intrigues me is a welterweight bout between Gilbert Burns, who recently lost a championship opportunity. And then you have Kamzat Chemaev, who's minus 5'10". The guy is only ranked 11th, only, I think, 10 professional fights. But everybody loves him. He's flying up the, uh, the in the fandom 
is going to be working his way up the rankings. If he takes down Gilbert Burns, here's the big thing. Stramayev is a minus 510 favorite, which is huge for a guy who's nine spots down the rankings. Gilbert Burns plus 375. If I had to pick any one of these underdogs to put some money down, I would go with Gilbert Burns. He's the experienced fighter, been around a long time. He can do it all. But your, your big favorites, if you want to do a three-fighter parlay, Volkanovsky, Jan, Chemaev, probably pretty safe. I would like to pick Aljamain, but I can't bring myself to do it. If you want to pick an underdog, go with Gilbert Burns. You have Mackenzie Dern and Tisha Torres in a coin flip. If you want to throw some down, I'd go Mackenzie Dern in that one. But a fantastic card for UFC 273. Four great fights at the top. And then, as usual, some good prelims, some good pre-prelims. But if you want something to do Saturday night, you've watched golf all day. Basketball's done. Football's done. Baseball's just getting started. Watch the Masters during the day. Watch the UFC that night. And then wake up early for the Masters on Sunday. Darren, I have my uh, parlay of Gilbert Burns and Chan Zung Jung hooked up here plus 2750 sounds like free money i'm very excited <laughs> you, you better bet big then let's see if, if i just put 50 dollars, i'm gonna win 1400 there you go sounds, i mean it sounds like a deal sounds worth it i i zero percent well. expect korean zombie to win but it's an admirable you know crazier things have happened i feel like with that nickname he has to win i don't know how i can bet against him not knowing anything else about either guy. That was enough for me to put him in my parlay here. And, and I see a Mark Madsen. Is that like the guy that played in the NBA like 10 years ago? Is, yeah, is he, he now a fighter? Yeah, he found a second life. So Alexander Volkanovsky's thing is he's just clearing out the division. Like he's beat Max Holloway twice, who was the GOAT. He beat Brian Ortega. And now he's just kind of working his way down and just picking guys off one at a time. And, all right, and to finish this off this week, uh, Shannon, I need you to give me some quick yes or no's because who better to discuss the NASCAR Hall of Fame ballot than our NASCAR expert? I need need to get your yes or no on the modern era guys. Neil Bonnet, yes or no, is yes. he a Hall of Famer? Tim yes. Brewer, who was a crew chief for 30 years. Who Say that again. Uh, Tim Brewer, crew chief for 30 years. He won the championships with Cale Yarborough and Daryl Waltrip as his drivers. Also crew chief for Tim Richmond, Neil Bonnet, the Labonte brothers, Jeff Bodine, and Bill Elliott. Yes. Jeff Burton. No. Wow. 21 career wins. Runner-up. Best finish was runner-up in 2000 for the Cup Series. Carl Edwards. No. Two-time runner-up. I thought I thought Carl Edwards may have a chance, but I forgot he never actually won a championship. He was there during Jimmy Johnson's run. Whatever happened to Carl Edwards? He just fall off the face of the earth after he quit. Usually guys like Gordon and Stewart and Jimmy Johnson stick around. He just disappeared. Yeah, he wanted to go live a life and not be around people. Huh, makes sense. Harry Gant, maybe a little yes. before your time. He's in, though. Yes. Harry Hyde. No, he's a crew chief for 30 years. 56 career wins and was the cup... Uh, crew chief for Bobby Isaac, 1970 cup series win. No. Matt Kenseth. Yes. Larry Phillips drove for 41 years. Yes. Due to longevity. Speaking of longevity, Ricky Rudd. Yes. He won a race like 20 some years in a row. Earned 23 career wins. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Drove from 1975 to 2007. And last but not least, Kirk Shelmerdine. Mm, you, you know, love old Kirk. He is not going to make it in the Hall of Fame. Sorry. And then there's some guys from back in the day, which weirdly AJ Foyt's not in yet. Um, so you've got you've got Larry Phillips in, you've got Matt Kenseth in, you've got Harry Gant in, you've got Tim Brewer and Neil Bonnet is your Hall of Famers. No Hall of Fame for Jeff Burton, Carl Edwards. Or Ricky Rudd. I said yes to Ricky Rudd. Oh, you did. Sorry. My apologies. Gavin, are you okay with that? Yes, that all sound very convincing. <laughs> all right. Anything else going on in the sports world? I know we have a lot happening with NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs on the horizon, NFL free agency and draft going on. Anything else? Everyone you guys needs to pick 
the team Baker Mayfield is on to start the season. Seattle Seahawks. He's going to be the Seahawks starting quarterback week one. The team he's going to be on. Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, interesting. Browns. Hmm. Well, because Deshaun Watson will not be cleared to play, so Baker will be the starter. So yeah, they just won't be able to move him. It'll be awkward, and everyone's going to hate it. <laughs> it'll be fantastic to watch. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. My goal is to talk these two guys into doing our three-person NBA or NBA Jeepers NFL mock draft episode in two weeks. Uh, one of the people on the show hates NFL mock draft, so I have to see if I can talk him into doing that. But that's my plan. Next week is to do the big NBA postseason preview with Andrew back and then hopefully get these guys to do our NFL mock draft episode in two weeks. Sounds fun. I do enjoy that one uh, because it is a a fun event for us to go back and forth and talk about. So I, uh, I can be convinced as long as I can drink a delicious, refreshing Vizzy while we do it. You can drink many. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Happy to be with you this week on the sports gospel. Potentially, maybe possibly brought to you by Vizzy. We're working on that. Thank you all for joining us for episode 54 in the books. We will see you next week.